Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com. Join us at the Sonic Cinema Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. For uh, subscriptions as low as $1, you'll get added to the Sonic Cinema mailing list. You'll get exclusive access to movie reviews that will be posted before they are posted on Sonic Cinema. For $3 or more, you'll get access to commentaries that have never been heard before available online, uh, discussions on the book that I'm working on, discussions on my music, and a lot more. And that is patreon.com backslash sonicsema. Today, I'm uh, joined to be... Today, I am glad to be joined by a uh, friend of mine, once again, Marv Dickey. He've, we've heard him already on the uh, podcast that I, he and I did for The House on Oak Street, as well as Alex Price's Dark City earlier this year. Uh, earlier this month was the 20th anniversary of the release of Peter Weir's Truman Show, and uh, we, and this was a movie that Marv suggested that we do, and it should be a, a pretty entertaining look back on uh, the first time where Jim Carrey really started to be taken seriously as a uh, force to be reckoned with beyond just a uh, rubber mouth, rubber faced uh, comedian. So I hope you enjoy this discussion on The Truman Show. And please be joined once again by uh, my friend Marv Dickey. We've already discussed a short film, The House on Oak Street, as well as Alex Proyas's Dark City. Uh, we're here today to discuss another film from the year 1998, in addition to Dark City. It is, uh, it's one that came out earlier in uh, June, and it turns 20 again this year. It is uh, Peter Weir's The Truman Show, and watching it uh, for the first time in a few years, I think since I reviewed in like 2009, uh, it really, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to how, uh, if, if Marv has uh, watched the movie again recently, how he feels about it. Because I definitely have a little bit of different feelings on it than I did uh, back when I first uh, debuted as well as uh, when I reviewed it before. So Marv, thank you very much for joining me. Hi Brian, I love you. <laughs> I, love I, I, you had too. To, I had to start with uh, trying to throw you off balance. Here. That's all right. That's that's um, all right. I, it's appreciated. It's good nature <laughs> ripping. Um, yeah, I I did watch it. Uh, I watched it a couple days ago. My I was gonna watch it like two weeks ago. Yeah. And just take all my notes, but my fiance, Marissa, she really really wanted to watch it because she she had only watched. I think she saw it all the way through one time, a few years ago. But I don't know if she, she watched it all the way through. So I'm not 100% honest. So I, I did watch it a couple nights ago. Okay. Um, I One thing that this, this is, I've always, I always had great appreciation for the film. I really love what it gives Jim Carrey to work with as an actor. I love what the script by Andrew Nichol gives him. I love the way he seems to thrive under uh, Peter Weir's direction. Um, one of the things it, it, it's kind of weird that I, 
I kind of there's actually a lot of it that I kind of forgot. I forgot how much of after the main credits where we get the introduction with Kristoff uh, as well as actor interviews. Um, I I forgot how much of the film is just following uh, Truman Burbank, uh, the Jim Carrey character's life. And just weird kind of leaves us there, even though we see some of these things sort of come come off as if sort of the facade of what uh, Christoph has created has has is sort of coming off. But I I like that it's a while before we really get pulled back into the notion of this being not real. I love how they he uh, I love how uh, Weir and Nickel just really. Let us uh, dive into this uh, reality that Truman lives and uh, just put us there and sort of see this kind of unravel. Is that where I step in? I mean, it, it can be. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that's fine. It, it was, li- yeah. This was this was Jim Carrey's first shot at something serious, right? Yeah. If I'm yeah. correct. Yeah. I mean, Peter, he, Peter Weir has an interesting. Uh, he seems to cast people a little bit off of what they're out of their comfort zone, so to speak. Right. Uh, in the past, he has. Um, and I, I guess not so much Russell Crowe and Master and Commander, but uh, I'm thinking more like Witness. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, anyways, the uh, I think Jim Carrey. You could tell that he wanted something serious because he'd been doing the slapsticky comedy bit since the early 80s, really. Yeah. Was it Rubber Face was his first movie, or was it, like, the show Duck Factory, his first job? I can't remember. I don't remember. He's but. just doing... He, he just He's just done slapsticky comedy, mm-hmm. from In Living Color to Ace Ventura to The Mask and, and so on. Yeah. Actually, I believe... Never mind, I'm sorry, but The Majestic came out in 99, didn't it? Uh, it was 2001, actually. But yeah, it was it was after Truman Show. Wow, um, I need to I need yeah. to check my notes. <laughs> That's all right, uh, but yeah, no, it was. I mean, technically, you could say the uh, cable guy. He sort of branched into a little bit different uh, territory with uh, before Truman Show. But yeah, this was definitely the first one that was sort of sold as a uh, Jim Carrey dramatic actor. I mean, that was definitely the. Uh, this was this was definitely the first one, and I think part of that was the uh, collaboration with Weir and the uh, screenplay by Andrew Nichol, who had already written and directed uh, Gattaca the year before. Okay, I see. I'm not familiar with that writer. Yeah, and I, I'm not a fan of Gattaca, which people <laughs> I used to get lambasted for. Yeah, it's it, it's an okay no. movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. So I mean, I I thought it was decent when I saw it, but I it I it's not something that I've necessarily felt like going back to. Okay. Uh Did you want me to share my theater going story of, at uh, at the end or would you like me to, we to can, start we off? can go ahead and start there um i know I'll, I'll go ahead and do mine very briefly i think did i i think i saw this once or twice um in theaters i know i saw it at least once with my uh, mother and uh my grandfather when he was down after i was uh, done with uh, school 
And uh, we went to go see it, and uh, I I definitely liked it more than uh, both of them did. I have real appreciation for what it did. I love uh, what uh, Jim Carrey did. I thought Peter Weir did a really good job. I thought it was interesting. It was uh, just a really kind of fascinating left turn for uh, Jim Carrey. I went into this thinking it was going to be another Jim Carrey movie. I didn't get the tone uh, too much from uh, the trailers. And yeah. I only saw a couple TV spots, and they highlighted a couple couple of the jokes that are in the film. So I, I went into it thinking it was another one of his comedies, and I was a big Jim Carrey fan, as as were 90% of the movie-going audiences back in in the day. Yeah. Uh, back The 90s were strong for Jim Carrey. Yes. And uh, I went into it, and here's my story. I saw it once. It was, I believe it was the Sunday of opening weekend. It was like the last show. There was like seven of us, I think, in the theater total. Mm -hmm. And I, being the jackass as always, I stood up because I I usually grab the very front row because I love the big screen. With no depth perception, it it works very well. Yeah. in case people are wondering what that means, I only have one eye. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, was, I, I grabbed the front row, like dead center. The The movie hasn't started yet. It's like 10 minutes late. We haven't even seen a trailer. The lights haven't even dimmed. I stood up, you know, like I said, as a jackass would, and said, hey, everybody, we don't need to see the movie. He dies in the end. <laughs> and I hadn't seen the movie. I thought it was just yeah. a comic. And... Not to bury the lead too much and spoilers, but I'm sure everybody knows we're going to be talking about spoilers here. Yeah. When the boat scene started and at the end, <laughs> where Christoph is like trying to kill him, I was looking for an exit. <laughs> and I legit had a plan. I told my buddy Mark, who I, was, I went with to movies all the time with, Yeah. I said, I'm going to go out this back exit and <laughs> in the same little mini mall, strip mall, as the Dunes Plaza in Michigan City used to be the uh, Dunes Plaza, now it's nothing. I think it's a Staples or something now. Was a Baskin Robbins, and I said, "I'm, I'm going to run out this door, the best a one-eyed, bad-legged fat guy could do, and I am <laughs> going to meet you at Baskin Robbins. Could you just pull up, and I'm going to get in the car and go." And <laughs> I missed a lot of the boat scene because I, I, I needed a contingency plan because I think I just you know, like spoiled it. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I couldn't believe how right I thought was, I was going to be at that moment in time. <laughs> I was, I was frightened for my, my own safety. So that's my little fear. Good experience with the Truman show. I remember more of my panic attack at the end because there were some big dudes with dates in there. There was like three or four big guys yeah. that probably could have surrounded me and taught me a lesson. So, so <laughs> that's, that's my more, I, I remember that more than the actual the film itself. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's actually kind of understandable that uh, you would when when you uh, when you went into it, you kind of thought it was a little bit more like uh, Jim Carrey comedy because of the fact. That, I mean, the trailers didn't really point to how serious the movie was, and it did play off of it looked like sort of an extension of. His comedy. I mean, he he had he had done stuff like Liar Liar and stuff like that. So he was getting a little bit more, 
He wasn't quite as wild as he was at the beginning with Ace Ventura and the Mask, but he so he was he was starting to mellow out a little bit as far as his as far as in in terms of how he was performing as an actor. Yeah, and like the overtop, like the comparative scenes between like the bathroom scene where he beats himself up and liar liar. Yeah, versus anything in this movie. Yeah. I mean that that's one of the things that I I do notice in uh this film and I really like is the fact that it's it I think it was if you're going if Jim Carrey was going to have sort of an introduction into more serious filmmaking into more serious uh roles I mean this is a good bridge to that. This is a very good bridge to that because he can still play off of sort of the goofy persona he had because of the fact that so much of his daily routine at this point in his existence in the Truman Show is scripted. I mean, he's got his own tag, he, he's got his own catchphrase for crying out loud, and he's supposed to be a yeah. real person. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, uh, it it also does get into more serious, uh, more serious ideas of... Um, just sort of the nature of identity and uh, just sort of how, how is our, what do we tie our identity to and how does our reality perceive sort of, sort of change what our identity is? I agree. The, uh, in, in just to, to kind of reiterate the point, re although reality TV, like such as cops, America's most wanted real world and like, that had been around this this whole idea of following someone yeah. one particular person wasn't really there it was always a group of people or little specific like on cop a little bit uh, specific incidents and i i thought it was now looking back it, it was far ahead of its time for following one person around because mm -hmm. we eventually got reality shows that were exactly that well and the thing is it's interesting and it's sort of it's it's sort of weird because of the fact that I have very, I kind of have mixed feelings about this film's idea of reality television now. I mean, on the one hand, you're absolutely right. It precedes the idea of a show that basically follows people around every day for day to day. And it ba you basically see their, their life and you basically see sort of the absurdities in 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 their life and you you really sort of get the idea that they're sort of a in like something like the shows you see on e the the reality shows you see on e or a simple life or something like that that was you know there's obviously a scripted element to it but it's reality quote unquote but the thing that i've always found interesting is the next year ron howard had the movie ed tv with Matthew McConaughey and Jenna Elfman. If you look at that film, and it's been a while since I've seen that film, but I always loved it. I thought it was a wonderful film. That, I feel like, is... While I think the tone of Truman Show and sort of that idea is... it It's definitely prescient to how reality TV works now, because of the fact that Ed TV was basically the idea of 
um, following a group of people or a family around, and you once once you follow one person, you follow you know their family and every all the drama that happens with that. I feel like that was always more accurate to how reality TV is and how uh, pop culture is in that respect. And Truman Show, one of the thing, and the thing that I found interesting watching myself watching Truman Show this time was it really struck me how artificial it all is. And I mean, it that seemed sort of really it 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 didn't work for me. The idea of a TV show surrounding a person, and the thing is, it's a fictional TV show surrounding an actual person where yes. he's not in on the joke and that's it, it feels so forced like how would you do that yeah i mean forced it's, is it's a, a forced reality yeah and i i mean that with social media now being what it is it's like if you were to make this movie now it would be it would be a different movie because Absolutely. of social mu- media and all of that and uh, I think I think it's it's kind of interesting a movie that came out last year, uh, The Circle with uh, Tom Hanks and Emma Watson. I I think is probably closer. It's not it's not as good a movie as Truman Show is, but it's I think it's closer to what if you were to make the Truman Show today, what that would look like, because it's basically about somebody being involved in social media and that's basically all they do everything about their life is available for content contact and everybody can watch in and it's basically how that affects the reality and i think that's more and i think that's one of the things i i felt weird about watching truman show now is i there's a disconnect because of the fact that this is supposed to be a scripted reality and honestly it's like the idea that you could get away with this for 30 years and truman would not catch on uh-huh. feels like it's completely unrealistic it's i that's one of my major notes here is uh it's truman's ignorance to the world around him that with like the the scene with the guy popping out of the christmas present saying it's not real it's a tv show yeah. it's not real yeah Truman, you know, I'm on the Truman Show. Uh, versus, you know, uh, Lauren slash Sylvia telling him, you know, this is all fake, it's all for you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you think he would catch on. And then when the rain, that yeah. that, that scene always <laughs> irritated me. From when I've only, this was like my, honestly, my third or fourth viewing. But I had to see, I watch it, I tend to watch it probably about every five years or so. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe seven years. And it always bothered me. I'm like, this guy could have caught on to like something is technically wrong here. Yeah. You, you don't get rained on. You don't get chased by the shower, just a small little spattering of rain. And then all of a sudden it just starts raining. Like, yeah, <laughs> you would think on that for days and days and weeks and weeks, it might become an obsession to where you try to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And that's just one thing like that. I just, I don't, his ignorance isn't believable, I guess would be my best way of, of, of summing it all up. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I, and, and that's that's part of why I I still really like the movie. I still think it's a really good movie. It's a really great showcase for Jim Carrey and a bunch of the other actors that are in it. 
I I just don't think it holds up the way that it probably should. And a big yeah, part I... of that is because of the fact that the there's an inherent unreality to it based on the idea that you could get the keep this TV show going where the the star of it is completely oblivious to the world around him. Yes. Yeah. It's it, it's almost it almost speaks to his his low intelligence level. It seems. Yeah. Like Truman may have been his life has been so controlled that maybe he isn't as smart as as uh, like like maybe that's uh, another thing that Kristoff uh, controlled. Yeah. You know, because obviously Kristoff has a god complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he's he wants to control every every last detail about Truman's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when he moved into the, the garage, quote unquote, and he fell asleep, mm-hmm. like he had, he was upset with his fellow uh, crew members, so to speak, when they didn't inform him that after his wife had left, that he moved into the garage. It's like, yeah. it's such a, a mundane, a mundane detail that like he, he had to know about it and he was upset. He did not know about it. And it was an obsession that, you know, obviously led to him trying to trying yeah. to off in the end. But yeah. And I mean, that's actually and that's actually an excellent point about his his I, the 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 fact that I mean, yeah, Kristoff is almost Kristoff and the, the makers of this show are kind of I mean, they've kind of brainwashed. Not that's not the right word for it. Uh, that it, not brainwashed Truman, but at least kept him so uninformed of the world that, I mean that that in and of itself, it's it's it it it's border it's borderline criminal, really. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's really criminal, and it's like I I think I think I think one of the things that would made it more interesting on repeat viewings and something that maybe maybe uh, sustained it a bit better is if we had seen more of the outside opposition beyond just Natasha McElhone's character. Oh, right. Uh, like the human rights activists. Yeah. Cause you mean, know, if this, if that, if they bought a baby, <laughs> say a studio bought a baby for this whole sole purpose of creating the Truman show, like, in the real world, even in the 1970s or what yeah. would it be, 60s, right? Yeah, even it back, in the 60s. The hippies would have the hippies would been outside that studio banging down the door saying this isn't right. Oh yeah. And I mean hippie in the most kindest way, most gentlest way. Yeah. I mean, but I... yeah, it's it, they did they mentally shackled him like they handicapped him on purpose with creating the fear of water so he doesn't want to leave the island. Yeah. Creating. You know, the fear of flying, because every, why would a, a tourist, you know, and that speaks again that there was maybe a low mentality con- created by Kristoff, was if you walked into a tourist agency, uh, like, a, you know, like yeah. A, yeah. A, tourism, a tourism office, and they got like frightening, terrifying flying, <laughs> like warnings everywhere, like this could be you, and it's a, a plane yeah. getting struck by lightning, and, and you know, obviously going to, there's other ones like there's like fires and just plastered all over these walls. It's like, you would think you would common sense would be like, why would you do this? This is like anti money. This is, it's like, you don't want to have this. You don't want to make any money at this. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, 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 there's the little things in this movie that kind of hurt my head. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, it and, it, and, and for me, it was funny. I wrote down that, you know, when, when Marlon tells Truman, it's like, I'd kill for a desk job. Like, I mean, for me, that would be a tip off right away. It's like, what? Yeah. Why are you saying that? Nobody it's like, would I'm do that. I'm experiencing it every day. I don't want it. And he was a delivery guy just filling vending machines, right? I think yeah. that, that's what yeah, that's Yeah, that's what he was doing. Um, and and that's, that job seems a little more outgoing than yeah. office job. Yeah, everything that they can made him fall into is mm -hmm. it, it's you know obviously like like they said it's controlled, but it, it just they're trying so hard to to and Kristoff even in kind of jump around here. I'm sorry. No, that's in fine. The, that's fine. Towards the middle of the movie, kind of maybe two thirds of the way through, before Truman runs and hides, there is a talk show hosted by uh, the great Harry Shearer. Yeah, really. Really like him. He's yeah. fantastic. The Christopher Guest movies and The Simpsons. And, yeah. Uh, he, the whole scene is exposition for exposition's sake. And it irritates me because he's talking to people on the phone and he's talking to an audience who have followed, who has followed the Truman's <laughs> life for yeah. 10,000 days. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they got, they know all this. And it's like, why, you know, you're only, you're all, this whole thing is just, for me, for the audience watching the film, it, and it feels again another forced aspect of the of right. the film. It it, it kind of irritates me, but I understand that they got to cover like you know this is how it came to be. This is how we need to figure. You know this is how we figured it out. This is how we got here. Yeah. You know. Then we have the people like we have the one woman who's against it, and everybody mm -hmm. else is just like watching for the sake of watching. Well, and it's interesting because of the fact that uh, we we did you know we did talk about Dark City earlier. And uh, earlier this year, and the, there is a common idea in both of these movies, which is the idea of an, an individual rebelling against the reality created for him. Holy I mean, crap. That's, that's essentially what Truman is doing the more and more he starts to see the, the sort, sort of what's going on and sort of starts to question his own identity and his own I, reality. I, that that's that's got me mind blown over here, Brian. <laughs> I didn't even think of the the similarities between the two. Yeah, I mean there wow. aren't too many, but yeah, I mean. They're, it, they're. Well, I know what I'm doing for the rest of the night. <laughs> watching Dark City. Watching no, just pondering. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, all right, Truman Show, Dark City, Dark City, Truman. <laughs> it's gonna be a Jim Carrey scene. Now I'm gonna think about Ace, Ace Ventura. Oh, I'm doing. See what you did to me. Sorry. <laughs> no, but, I. Uh, no, we I, and we should say uh, Kristoff is played uh, fantastically by Ed Harris. I think I think Ed Harris does a really good job in it. I mean, he oh. he got nominated for an Oscar. He deserves Absolutely. to be nominated for an Oscar, but uh, yeah, yeah, he was he was great, mm -hmm. and you really felt that arrogance of somebody who believes that they have a godlike ability. Yeah, and. And that's what also like what I was getting to the the whole scene with expo the exposition uh, talk show. Kristoff mm -hmm. uh, says he can leave whenever he wants, and yeah. he fought against the Truman's free will, so to speak. Like he wants to be with Lauren slash Sylvia. He doesn't really want to be with his wife anymore. And he starts to, as the the film unfolds, he starts to see that his wife is is not truly who she thought she was. Right. He's starting to unravel. He's starting to see who she is and she's not who he thinks she is. Yeah. 
and and he starts in his free will, like he tries to to escape the island, quote unquote, which means just the studio. But and they did everything to get in his way. Yeah, everything, everything they could possibly do. And and, and with him saying in that one moment, saying uh, that he can leave whenever he wants, it was an absolute utter lie and and that that gets me and ed harris like it, it's just so subtle it, that's one of the things i liked about ed's performance it was just so subtle but to me it, it really got under my skin yeah that that he would say he has free will but every time he tried to, to you know go he want to go to fiji oh i can't book it for a month yeah. oh you, you know you want uh, i'm your wife you want to go you want to go to fiji why we can stay here and have a kid you know every step of the way from even the uh the uh the nuclear plant uh, meltdown. Yeah, that they chased him through the woods, and, and just to kind of wrangle him. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what they really do. Just like they, they they're just trying to wrangle him. You know, once he starts catching on to certain things. Well, and the thing is, it's like I mean, we're we're talking about this film, you know, in terms of reality as we know it. The fact of the matter is, I mean, that's part of what makes this film. The, the unreality of it is part of what makes it satire is the idea that satire typically goes, can typically go to extreme ideas in order to shine a light in reality. And I think there, there is some, if you're talking about this as, a, uh, as an indictment on the media, as an indictment on that quote, reality TV, TMZ, uh, tabloid journalism that we started to see in the 90s and really came into the fold the past 20 years yeah i mean that's what truman show is but and the idea that you know somebody's locked into a contract to have their life filmed and basically yeah you can't do that because of this i mean it's one of those things where it's like this is kind of where I do feel like Ed TV is a better representation. If you're going to do a straight satire on reality TV first to a certain extent, I think Ed TV hits the mark a little bit more in Truman Show. Ed TV Truman Show is more of a fantasy and satirical look at it than just playing it for comedy and playing it for uh, humor. Right. Uh, it's also Truman is like in a cell and yeah. he, and, and he doesn't know he's being recorded all this time it versus Ed TV being more realistic to quote unquote reality television is they're aware of the camera surroundings and yeah. they're able to respond in a more strategic way for the most part. Mm-hmm. People do have meltdowns on on screen because they've you know they get pushed too a little too far. No, people yeah. have meltdowns. Oh, but yeah, yeah they, so I see that there's a difference between the, 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 those types and and like you're right, the Ed TV is such a, a a more better example of what reality TV has really truly become. Yeah, and that's it, idiots with cameras in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think when you know, and you were talking about like the interstitials and the exposition for exposition sake in the uh, interviews that, or the question and answer that uh, Harry Shearer's character has at sort of the middle point of the movie. I mean, the, the thing that the, I, I think there's another layer of satire in this is that it's basically against the 
it's a satire on the 24-hour news cycle, which had already been in place, but was ramping up to the point where, I mean, there, there are several different channels now where you have to have something on. You have to have some. You have to have something to talk about, and it's like, what what are you going to talk about for twenty four hours? It's like obviously there's a certain point where Truman is going to be sleeping or something like that. What right. do you what do you cut away from in that yeah, case? And, and I think that's that's part of where that comes from. I mean, like you're talking about, it's it's from a storytelling standpoint, it's kind of ridiculous. Ex- unless you're just looking at it as, oh, it's exposition. But the fact of the matter is, it's like, it's also something, there's also something to be said about it in terms of uh, the 24-hour news cycle as well. That's, you know, you're, you're right about that. Plus, he the whole scene, that during that whole scene, Truman's just sitting there at the kitchen table eating his breakfast, his cereal. Yeah. That's that's all that's going on on the Truman Show. I guess it does be like, okay, he's going to go eat food. He, you can watch him chew if that's your thing. Like, But we're going to sit here and just talk Truman Show. So I guess yeah. after 30 years, what else, what else you got to talk about? But just like rehashing the same the Yeah, same fact. And I mean, it, it sort of goes into sort of like the, uh, the, the shows that you see after the shows now as far as Talking Dead and uh, sort of roundtables for Game of Thrones and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, let's talk about what we just saw. Or and even like even YouTube yeah. channels. Yeah, YouTube channels are <laughs> major like that. All right, the show just ended. Let's do this. Yeah, let's talk, exactly. Let's talk about it, you know, <laughs> the I, I get that, and it does make sense when you, when you see it from that angle. But it's still like it. Honestly, I think they should have taken that whole scene, cut mm-hmm. it out, and put it at the very beginning. Yeah. If we got all that, that talk show, when watching Truman chew his food at the very start, like a cold open even, we, we would, it would, I think it would, it would fit a little bit better and it wouldn't have irritated me as a viewer. <laughs> much. And, and I, I absolutely love this movie. I don't know why I don't watch it more. Every time I watch yeah. it, I find something, something new that I like about it. And this time it's, it was a, a scene that I have watched many times, but it kind of stuck with me was when he was lost and they like cued the sun like a little early, like yeah. you know, middle of the night, the sun's it's, it's noon. It, when they call for everybody in their places, like, you know, in, you know, what they call it? Step one or uh, placement one or. Yeah. It's, it, it's placement it's, one, it's, but it's basically, it's basically, it, it's basically like, okay, reset the take is basically yeah. what they're saying in that case. Like, yep, okay, reset the take. We're we're going back to, you know, we're going to redo this. So first positions. That's what it was. Yeah, first, first pos- positions. That was it. And so. and there's a guy. There's a guy. Uh, it's is African American gentleman who's who's on a bike getting ready to push it. And that part of me, <laughs> like something stuck with that guy. I've never I've noticed him before. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it never really stood out. And it's just like that guy's just ready to, for action. And yeah. it, that it sunk in in that moment that they're just not. They're not there just in case Truman shows up there. They're there because that's all they know. Yeah, yeah. If the sun just came up, I have to be here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were truly lost. They didn't know what to do when they couldn't find Truman. They, they were truly lost. They had no idea. And they were scrambling. You even saw when they were walking arm in arm with yeah. Flash looking for him. It's like, what if, he, what if he stood up like out of the bushes and saw that come together? Yeah. 
what would truly what would truly what would truly be funny? Be well and and the funny thing is it's like the whole idea that like the actors who played his parents are like oh hey it's it's mom it's dad come out it's like yeah. do you, is he really going to respond to that i mean that's cuz you you don't necessarily know what you, you kind of get an idea as to what Truman's uh, mindset is because of the fact that he felt like he needed to escape and hide him escaping. But at the same time, it's like you he, he realizes, wait a minute, there's seriously something not right with my world. What am I, how I need to try to figure out a way out of this and whatever this is. Right. Um, also, uh, also the another point I like to bring up is Kristoff. Obviously, this is supposed to be uh, nineteen ninety eight. He started it in the in the late sixties. Yeah, uh, and that's what we're we're kind of thinking. But it also could be without time frame. Yeah, because we don't know when the people are viewing, like the the man in the tub, the people at the bar, even the jerks at the bar that were wagering on his death yeah. at the end. Uh, <laughs> We don't. We can't tell if this in the televisions, like the technology. Is, sometimes it looks like it's brand new. Sometimes it looks like it's old. I can't tell. It's through the clothing. Yeah. I can't tell what um, what time frame it is, and I like that about this movie because it it makes it a little bit timeless. Mm -hmm. But I could tell that. Um, I don't know if it was intentional, but to me, Kristoff seems like if he started in 1968, he is a baby boomer, which you know Ed Harris really is. Yeah. Uh, and he grew up in that nuclear family suburb, suburbia, post World War II America. Yeah. So uh, the island is designed just that. And it's oh, kinda, absolutely. Yeah. It harkens back to his own childhood and his own innocence. So oh yeah, it's it's completely it's completely designed like a 1950s sitcom, and yeah. it's I mean you see that in the way that. Uh, Truman interacts with Marlon. You see that in the way Laura Linney is his wife reacts. And I, we, yeah. we haven't talked about her yet, but I absolutely love Laura Linney. She is absolutely wonderful in this movie. I, yeah. I love seeing, I, I love seeing the facade of her and her reality sort of come undone. Yeah. Where, where Meryl crumbles, Meryl yeah. crumbles and Hannah starts showing herself through. Yeah. Because she, she basically says, "I can't work under these conditions," and it's like, "Yeah, what?" And then somebody do something, and and they're yeah. supposed to be alone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, she, I, I, I love starts to panic. And, yeah, I, the the one scene also I picked up on it this time, the scene where Truman is confronting her. Yeah, after you know, in the kitchen at night, right before that whole like, you know, somebody do something mm -hmm. when Marlon comes walking through the door. She doesn't. She's so lost yeah. that she, she winds up starting to shield the products around the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of makes me laugh, but it's also a little bit like you feel sad for her because she's really panicking and doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and but if you watch the cameras, like when it's on Truman, when it's just a shot of Truman, it's it's a st like a steady cam. It's just it's just like on a tripod. It's locked in place. Yeah, but with her, it's it's kind of it's it's like handheld. And it even like zooms in on her. There's a lot of movement, so it's there's even a visual disconnect between the two characters. As obviously Truman is uh, 
un unraveling their marriage basically in, yeah. the, in that scene. Yeah. Or the sham that there is, you mm -hmm. know, marriage. Well, and the thing is, it's, it's one of those things where it, and again, this, this sort of go, and it's something that I just noticed this time. I'm sure it's something I probably should have picked up on earlier. And, uh, it's it's the notion you know you you see these flashbacks of them at in high school them in college and stuff like that it's like they're not much younger than they are now and so right. it's like yeah that's where this sort of you you sort of lose the sense of reality here because yeah. of the fact that it's like yeah that was obviously shot by the same actors within the same time period because yeah they probably would have looked a little different i like called those 10, 12 the, years ago yeah that's true uh i call those the lloyd christmas scenes because he has <laughs> like like lloyd christmas yeah but literally like laura lenny's character meryl is thrown into his lap when they see that he's he's catching the eye of yeah of lauren and lauren's looking back it's almost like a uh, panic mode again yeah. where just fall into him. Just go fall into him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it 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 almost it it really does kind of make you feel for the actors to a certain extent to think about it in that respect because it's like they're I mean they're actors they see this as a job first and foremost but it's like it's basically a day to day job where it's like they can't have a life of their own. No, it's like their their whole reason for existing it, they're in the same dilemma that jim carrey that truman is in the difference is they're in on the joke and yeah. they're in on what's going on and but it really does it it really does make you a little sympathetic to those those actor you know it, the actors playing around uh truman because of the fact that it's like well, I mean, they can't really do anything else. They're not really able to do anything else. It's like, that's kind of sad in and of itself. Right. And even Meryl has to, uh, you know, do her uh, her wifely duties. Sorry about that. That's yeah. my pill. <laughs> Time to take my pills. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, she, she has to have, you know, she has to have sex with him. Yeah. To be to be blunt about it, like she was cast almost, you know, as almost in, in some sorts like a porn star because obviously her heart's not in it. Yeah. You know, she's not truly in love with him, or she wouldn't have crossed her fingers at the wedding. Right. She still sees it as a role, but she has to take these these commitments, these steps to be a part of Truman's life. When yeah, I, like like you said, the sympathetic role, and then. The people that get kicked off the show try to get mm. back in, and that's what happened with his father. Yeah, who they used to create a false fear of water, right? To keep him contained on the island, so to speak. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's back. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite part of the, uh, I think my favorite stretch of the film is when uh, Truman's uh, first. When when he first starts, when he first follows uh, Meryl to work, up until the point where they reveal that his dad is quote unquote alive, and especially when 
he's following her to work. He follows her into the hospital and the operating room and then the 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 building and he sees the false uh back in the elevator and all of that stuff. It's like I, I really do I really do love that stretch of film. That's probably my that's probably my favorite um stretch of the movie. I was I would think that they would have that whole of going to the elevator and seeing that it's not an elevator scene, I, it, it st- sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Just the part with the elevator. Yeah. Like, wouldn't they be a little more cautious yeah. about that? And yeah. why would they build that building without elevators? Yeah, that's you true. Know, I guess it could be a, just a, a facade of a building, just something you can never, never go to. Yeah. Well, but, and the the thing is, it's 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 it goes back to the notion that basically Truman's life is so controlled. It's like at a certain point, he's you know he's a Pavlov dog, where it's like he's trained to do certain things and trained not to do certain things. Right. And uh, I mean, I you know it's it's it it's one of those things where it's like yeah, it's it's yeah, it's. It, it, it's weird because of the fact that I I hate to seem like I'm sort of bashing the film that I don't like it anymore because I do like it. I do really like it. I think it's it's still one of my favorite Jim Carrey performances, and I really enjoy a lot of things about it. But it's like watching it this time for the sake of this podcast, for the sake of this episode, it, it's like, wow, I can't believe it's really hard to imagine that this movie doesn't it feels like this movie should hold up better than it does oh you don't think it holds up i feel like it does it does in some cases it does and it doesn't in other cases it feels a little it it overall some of some of the things especially at the beginning where you start to see all of these things like the uh, the light fall down and the all of the mistakes that sort of give Truman this conspiratorial uh, bug planned in his head. It's like, really, why is all of that stuff just hap- so happening now? Have there ever oh. been cases where so many rapid-fire things are happening that might clue him off to this beyond just the occasional actor trying to show back, show up on the show and try to sabotage everything like that. Yeah. They've had 30 years to come up with so many uh, content. I can't say that word. plans. You got it. I I got fumbled (laughs) on that. Uh, Yeah. They've had 30 years to go over every angle. Yeah. Why? I guess that's why they had the, the, the facade of an elevator in that in that little uh, I guess it would be kind of a soundstage almost oh, within yeah. this and yeah I mean the the whole idea I think is basically like the entire thing is a soundstage but you know it's like you've had 30 years to perfect this it's like you first of all you wonder how how long and how much money in 19 19- in the 60s, it took to build this, and whoever decided the idea to write off on it and say, oh, yes, this is something we should do, and we're going to really see a lot of money from this. It, I mean, that that part is just, yeah. I mean, that's something you, you 
don't necessarily think about it in terms of the movie, but when you watching the movie, but when you think about it afterwards, it's like, yeah, you can't suspend, you can't suspend disbelief. Yeah, it, it's like, hard I, to do. Oh, it's a whole channel. It's like the Truman. The Truman Show is a whole channel, right? Yeah, twenty four hours Truman. That part hurts my head because cable wasn't around in the late sixties. No, early no. early seventies. <laughs> Really didn't. It really wasn't around at all. Yeah. It, I think it was like 75, <laughs> 76. I'm not 100% on that, but right. Yeah, roughly that. Uh, it just, it, those things do, they do blow my mind. It, 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 not really blow my mind, but they kind of, they, they make you think. And it's just like, why does, and, and really it takes him 30 years to catch on. Yeah. It, it took him 30 years after people like randomly telling him that this is, there's something different about you. There's something different about this whole world you're living in and he still he still just didn't get it yeah yeah i mean i part of it is i guess we we it it is also kind of a commentary on humanity where it's like to a certain extent like we 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 accept the reality that is given to us as opposed to you know sometimes we accept the the reality that is given to us rather than uh find ways to change it Right. And one, and one all, thing, go ahead. It's, it's all he knows, I guess. That's yeah. like, that could be an argument against uh, the idea of why his ignorance lasted so long. It was a, it, this whole world, this whole island is, that's everything he's known since he was a baby. Yeah. You know, since actually before he was born, because there was, what was, the, what they say? There was like five other babies competing or, or yeah, four it was something like that. And, and the whole idea is that the fan, the babies weren't, they were pregnancies that weren't wanted. Yeah, and so it's like okay, yeah, you've you've touched, yeah, you you you've crossed your T's in that respect, but at the same time, it's like it's yeah, it, there's there's a lot there's a lot of it that comes out that it's like, it's 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 just very, yeah, I can't explain why all of a sudden and. I, I haven't turned on the movie completely. I still enjoy it, but oh, there's still things I love about it. I love the music we haven't talked about, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love I love the I know Philip Glass did some of the music, and I think he and uh, he had other there were other uh, minimalist composers who did other music, and I love the fact that it's like you have I I that's that is one thing I will say that I love about the artificial nature of it is when when they intercut especially the scene where his dad shows up alive and you just see Christoph basically orchestrating this whole thing and you have the composer and the musician basically like building the music up building the music up having it all in real time is it's it's a wonderful for somebody who loves film and loves the art of filmmaking it's like that's fantastic I, oh yeah, I love that. I'm completely I can't, I can't in the moment with that. I can't agree more. I even, I even uh, irritated Wheezy, uh, Marissa. She also goes by Wheezy, um, because I was all like, I was like, look at this, man. They're, they're like, look, they're building the score. The, the score is building. Yeah. Like they're, they're putting atmosphere. They're building the atmosphere. They're making sure they, they're hoping, they're, they're hoping and wishing he, Truman has a great reaction, and then he does, and it's like a. <laughs> Truman's reaction and their reaction to his reaction was like the climax of this big build with the music and, yeah. and the scene just came out just 
perfect. Yeah. And and I was like, did you see that? And I like I rewound it and made her watch it again. <laughs> Poor girl. She has to deal with that sometimes with me. I'm like, listen to how the music really builds this scene. I I, I am I'm I'm a big nerd when it comes to to how music can can change the change the atmosphere and the feeling that I personally have in in different scenes. Yeah. No, and I mean, as as somebody who's a musician and who loves film music and <clears throat> and uh, really really appreciates the uh, effectiveness of great film music, it's like, yeah, that's that's one of those moments where it's like, in in that moment, it's like I'm completely in the movie because it's like it he's building up, he's building it up, and it's like you you get that emotional charge and you do. uh i i feel and i do feel like um you get that at the end as well and we we talked a little bit about the end you talked about the 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 scene on the boat where they finally find him he's on he's out to sea in a boat for the first time since he was a kid and they made him afraid of water and Kristoff basically tries to kill him and uh, yes. it's that goes back to the complex. Yeah, and it, 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 it's like it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. I was just, I was just gonna say it was kind of those uh, that that feeling like, oh my god, my 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 experiment is escaping. I I gotta end this. Yeah, he's gonna find out the secret. I can't. Even though I'll tell people on TV all day all day long. Uh, that he has free will and he can leave whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. He's still fighting it because because I feel like Truman is he, he's Truman's god and he's Truman's Truman is his Earth. Yeah, and he and he's looking over Truman as if in in a more of like kind of a metaphor for God looking over all of humanity or whatever however the the story goes. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's very it's very old testament religion where it's like, you know, if if humanity gets too big for its bridges, bridges, oh, I'm going to wipe everything out. And yeah. I mean that's that's basically how Chris Christoph it's basically like Noah's ark at the end it's of that same, movie same where, it's like, <laughs> where it's like okay, my my experiment is failed time to drown it and start it again yep. and uh but i will say it's like the the moment he lets up and i this is where carrie as a dramatic performance his role as a dramatic performance really starts to come in because i think you could almost make the argument that for most of the film he's he's not far removed from his comedic persona it's just not particular it's just not as laugh out loud funny as his previous movies were yeah it's it's condensed and the ending of that movie with him basically with with him in in the boat even basically practically begging for death to a certain extent and basically asking them is that the best you have I mean, he's buying into it as well, whatever it is. And then, right. so when Kristoff is forced to let up, and then he, Truman, survives and runs into the edge of the stage, the edge of the studio, 
And then you have the moment where, you know, he, he it looks like he's walking on water. Because, uh, you know, if the parallels to... And, and I mean, this that's where this movie sort of has a kindred spirit with uh, Hal Ashley's being there with Peter Sellers. Um, okay. Has, has a little bit of that there. Um, he so he he's sort of quote unquote walking on water, and then he finds the uh, door, and he's ready to go through it before Kristoff explains everything to him finally. And yeah. I love the, I love the way Carrie responds to what he's telling him because of the fact that it's like it's filled with anger, it's filled with honesty he's he's feeling betrayed in that moment it's like and i love when he says his catchphrase at the end of it and walks out the door it's it's some of the most honest i think it's some of the most honest work we'd seen out of carry yet right and that would carry over into things like man on the moon Things yes. like the majestic and then Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, Eternal Sunshine is amazing. Yeah, it's oh, it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's easily it's that is very much the best movie uh, Jim Carrey has ever been a part of. I haven't seen it in a long time. I need to see it again. Um, but yeah, maybe that's ninety nine was Man on the Moon, right? Yes, ninety nine was Man on the Moon. That, that's yeah. probably why I switched it. And it's fun yeah. because. Even though they didn't share any scenes together, Paul Giamatti and Jim Carrey both went from Truman Show to Man on the Moon. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that's and and that was that was something that's uh, and I mean, Man on the Moon is a completely fascinating topic unto itself as as a movie, um, especially now with the companion piece of Jim and Andy. Yeah, which was absolutely brilliant. Probably yes. one of the best. Uh, documentaries about film I think I've ever seen um, really gives you really gives you more insight into Jim Carrey that I think ever we'd ever gotten before and really I think was it, it made me appreciate him more just how much he committed to it and how much you you see him sort of discuss why he approached it the way he did and right. and approached his art the way he did really makes me uh, appreciate him that much more as a performer. I do, but sometimes he can go a little overboard, and he's he's more on the pretentious side than than the uh, the the fair minded side. Yeah. Sometimes with yeah. his description of his own performances, mm-hmm. he could be a little bit uh, self indulgent. But I can't deny he, he's a, he's a good actor. He's really really good. Yeah, I mean he he's he I had a hard time getting into him when he first uh, hit the scene with Ace Ventura. I did really like the mask. I enjoyed Dumb and Dumber, but it's like, I, I, I think I felt guilty about enjoying Dumb and Dumber <laughs> because of how stupid it was. But uh, I, I did I always, I, I always love uh, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels working in that movie. Um, I, I gradually, I need to see Cable Guy again because it's been ages since I saw it. And I didn't like it at the time. I have a feeling I'd like it a little bit more now. If you can um, hang in for two years, we can do a, uh, 25 year anniversary of it podcast work. Yeah, we probably could. I mean, it was, yeah. It was 95, right? Uh, it was uh, 96. 
Oh, we got three years. Ugh, yeah. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, no. And and the thing is, it's like Jim, Jim. This is this is one of those. And I mean, I'll always defend the Grinch. It's like it's easy to kind of crap on that movie, but the fact of the matter is, it's like Jim Carrey really did a wonderful job with kind of a thankless uh, position he put himself in playing a such an iconic role. Yes. And uh, he, he just did such a good job. It's like you can, you can poke holes in some of the things that Ron Howard as a director didn't bring that film to life. But ultimately, I mean, he, he, and I think he and Jim Carrey were ultimately respectful of what, uh, the the Grinch was supposed to be in that as well. Oh, I watch and, it every every Christmas. I watch oh, it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do really too. Yeah, I have uh, nothing I have bad to say about that movie. Even though every, a lot of people I come across, you know, again my inner circle of movie friends, uh, they've always given me crap for liking that movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, screw you, it's good. <laughs> yeah, watch it. You can go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say one more thing uh, about about the Truman Show sort of before we wrap this up. Um, I there is one moment that I that's always kind of struck me when I see the movie over and over again. It feels like the one it, it feels like a moment where Truman is sort of catching on to things, even if he doesn't know the reality of uh, his situation entirely. To a certain extent, you sort of get the feeling that he's he's starting to adapt and starting to really see that something's not quite right. And it's the moment when he's in front of the uh, bathroom mirror, and they're they're like, oh, it, and he's he's doing all these weird things that makes them in the uh, control booth go, oh, great, we need to get Chris off. And oh. he and he, he draws a space helmet and and he he goes through that little bit of shtick. But it was always the line he has at the very end of that, where he says, That one was for free. Yeah, that one was for free, yeah. yeah. That one always that always struck me as okay, he's starting to catch on. Yeah, he's super aware of his surroundings now. He's starting to be aware of what's going on. And or, or at least that something's not right and something's going on and somebody's probably watching him. And yeah. uh, that's that's a moment that I mean it's a it's a really great little bit of business by uh, Jim Carrey, who who sells you on it and also doesn't tip your hat tip his hat to the idea that he's sort he's sort of winking at the people who are filming his life 24 hours a day. Right. And when do you, I'm going to ask you an honest question here. Yeah. And I can't, I can't pinpoint it to the that exact point, but I think I kind of am close. What, at what point do you think he, he goes from being ignorant, ignorant, ignorant to being clever? I think it might've been the car ride where the radio messes up and he starts hearing the feed of them describing his positions and for people to, you know, to get ready for it. I think it's there, but it may be a little before that or a little after that. I think that's, I mean, there were obviously things beforehand because, I mean, obviously you have the light fixture that falls down. You see him seeing his dad. Uh, I mean, I think I think in that part, I, I mean, that, that definitely points at where um, I 
think that definitely points to a part where he's going, what is going on? Where mm-hmm. he's he's starting to really get uh, really Clues. figure things out. Yeah, I, clues are but by the point, by the time, I think it's when he starts following uh, Meryl. I think when he starts following Meryl and when he traps her in the car and okay. he's he's like, oh, we're going to go to Fiji. And he, he basically, he recognizes the patterns as like, oh, hey, all of these cars just happen to pop up at the same time. Oh, that's right. Um, um, some of the flowers, a, a and beetle. Yeah. And they go dentic- back into the turnaround and then it's like, oh, hey, they're gone now. Um, yeah, I it, it's hard to pinpoint a specific time that um that he pivots that he really does pivot but i mean i and i think that's one of the things that's important but i think it's also important to the movie and the success of the movie that it is gradual that there's not an absolute point you can point to where it's like that's where he turns okay and i so i i think that's i think that's important that there's not a specific moment but I I think that you can definitely make the argument that there are, I think you can make the argument that there are a few places where he he definitely has an idea of something uh more going on and uh he's gradually he he's gradually starting to figure out that maybe maybe I'm not as restricted Maybe I'm both as more restricted than I think I am in terms of my life, but maybe I'm not as restricted by my own thoughts and feelings about things. It's free will going back to the religion iconography. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that's sort of where it uh, ties in with me for dark city, because I mean, part of the whole point in dark city is, is basically John Murdoch realizing and the other humans that we follow in that movie other than Dr. Schreiber sort of realizing that there's something a little bit off about their existence and trying to get to the bomb of why these questions are sort of coming up and what the answers are. I mean, I think that is one of the things that I liked about the idea of doing this film after Dark City because of the fact that there, there is a little bit of common ground between those movies, even though they're radically different, the way they do things and what they're ultimately doing. There are some similarities with those. I, I do. Uh, you have no idea how much research I'm going to be doing <laughs> because I'm going on two hours of sleep as it is right now. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm starting to get to that that uh, little bit of loopy stage. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be. Sitting here all night <laughs> until I pass out and just be like, okay, Murdoch, Burbank. Their, their last names <laughs> end with sound. Okay, what do we do? You know, just keep going on and on. It's gonna be it's gonna be a weird number twenty three. So so oh oh my god, I didn't even think about the number twenty three. Uh, you like that? I, I was I was gonna I was actually gonna make a uh, reference to oh great I turned you into uh, Walensky the. Uh, Oh, that goes insane in Dark City, spirit, but oh my god, yeah. I didn't even think about number twenty-three if we're talking about Jim Gary. Uh-huh, um, see, I did that. I did that on purpose. You, you like it? <laughs> that was good. That was good. I brought entertainment to your podcast. Uh, yeah, 
wow, <laughs> number 23. I, I haven't... I, I try not to think about that movie. I did not like that movie at all. Oh, I enjoyed um, it. I, I I haven't seen it in like 11 years since I saw it in theaters. I, right. I don't know how I would feel about it now, but I might try to give it another chance at some point. Well, if we um, didn't live a thousand miles apart, I could bar- lend you my copy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I will grab about a thousand off of your shelf. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well... Marv, I I think I've I've said I think I've said everything I uh, need to say about the Truman Show. Uh, did is there anything more that you wanted to say? I if you've made it this far and you haven't on the podcast, I'm talking to the, to the listeners. If you made it this far and you haven't seen the Truman Show and you're still okay with all the spoilers, I absolutely 100% recommend the Truman Show to anybody and everybody. Just yeah. to it's it's just it's a fantastic almost fantasy film i guess yeah it really tra- is it, it really Trump. is a fantasy film yeah it's it's good it's 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 really good and it's interesting to uh look at in the through the prism of the career not only of jim carrey but also peter weir the director who after it did master and commander which was fantastic with russell crowe and uh paul Did-care. bettany um and then i like 23 you didn't and you uh you like master and commander and i did it yeah we're and even i'm sorry we're even yeah exactly <laughs> sorry uh, go ahead peter weir also did fearless he also did witness uh he did a couple of mel gibson's early films gallipoli and uh year of living dangerously the way um, back let's see trying to think what else they do green card green card Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Dead Poets Society. Oh God, how could I forget Dead Poets Society? Yeah, I, Brian. Seriously, I Where I you think I I'm and the funny thing is I'm rewatching that movie, or I'm watching it. I don't remember if I've actually ever seen it all the way through. I can't remember. I want to say I have, but if oh, I really? have, it's been a while. I'm actually getting ready to rewatch it for a movie a week in a couple of weeks, so that makes it even more baffling that I forgot it. But uh, I, I was dragged to the theaters when I was like nine to see that movie. Uh huh. And I, I came out of that movie going like carpeted diems, carpeted <laughs> diems. I seriously, my brain couldn't think Latin as a nine-year-old. And, I don't understand why, because I kind of understood Latin. Yeah. Not not the language itself, but I understood that Latin was a thing. <laughs> but I just I was just like carpeted diems, and I was thinking it was a product that they were trying to sell in the movie. I missed the point big time until I was like fifteen when I rewatched it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and I think part of the reason why I never really watched Dead Poets Society when was. Uh, kid is because my my mother wasn't the biggest Robin Williams fan, so yeah. I mean she she just wasn't. I mean we would occasionally go to his movies, but ultimately she wasn't like she she didn't she wasn't a huge fan of his. So I I think that's part of why I never really got into. I mean I by now I mean I've at least watched at least part of, like, Dead Poets Society and Good Morning Vietnam. And earlier this year, I finally watched World According to Garp and uh, all of that. But it's like I never really had 
Robin Williams as somebody that I I really appreciated a great deal while I was growing up. I mean, I definitely have more of an appreciation of what he does now. Um, but I I always loved him, mm-hmm. uh, and that was one of the reasons why I was okay with getting dragged there. But it, it was not a movie for I guess I was ten because it came out in '89. Yeah, but it's not an uh, it's not a movie for ten year olds for sure. No, no, it doesn't. Plus, it's a, it's a little long in the tooth when uh when you're 10 any movie over an hour and 20 minutes is kind of yeah <laughs> a little a little bit long and uh i've always i was always a fan of his i, I saw his stand up i would watch carlin on hbo in the early 80s his mm-hmm. old stand ups and robin williams had a stand up special that we we rented a couple times when i was younger as well and i loved it i watched him work in mindy like crazy when he that episode that he showed up on Happy Days, whenever that show came on, like reruns, yeah, I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, Robin Williams was my guy, and it was he, he wasn't one of my idols like like a John Candy or um, like a Sam Kennison. The fatter, like I, I was more, I leaned more towards the chubbier comedians, the people uh-huh. that made. People. But Robin Williams, whenever he popped up in something, I had to see it. And it's funny because I just found Boulevard, his final film, on on hulu and i added it to my queue last night and i plan on watching that soon okay so his loss was like it, it hurt yeah because i had a, i had a lot in common he even had a pug named oh shoot are you still there okay so i'm i'm sorry uh what were so you were you were talking about uh robin oh, the, williams my common my my common ground to robin williams and uh like like he was a big fan of the Legend of Zelda series, hence his daughter's name is Zelda after the, the video games. Mm. I got a, I got a Legend of Zelda tattoo because it's always been there for me in the bad times of my life. And so, like when I, when he passed away, like it it killed me. And and I've slowly gone back over his uh, his major films. Yeah, from Aladdin to Hook to you know through since he passed away, I've I've gone through and and kind of kind of uh appreciate the man a little more yeah. now that he's gone you know so and i can't believe i yeah, hulu finally has or i finally found it on hulu i don't know how long it's been there but boulevard's there so i'm kind of excited about that yeah i mean i i think like uh you know and i i think like robin williams to a certain extent i mean jim jim carrey is somebody who i think it, to to bring this back to the ultimate conversation we're having about jim carrey and the truman show Uh, I mean, although we did get to Robin Williams from Peter Weir, but I I do think that ultimately Jim Carrey is somebody who, when you strip everything else away, I I think he's somebody who, I don't think he's going to linger quite as large in people's memories and people's uh, feelings as Robin Williams does. But I do think that the things that, people love about him i think you're going to see an appreciation for what he did and how he did it whether you're talking about ace ventura whether you're talking about the mask the mask the truman show dumb and dumber uh the grinch man on the moon i i eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i i think you're going to see he he's somebody who is definitely carved out a very particular niche for himself in the same way that Robin Williams did. And I think that's something that when all is said and done, I think that's something that 
he's ultimately going to be uh, more admired now than I think a lot of people would have necessarily expect him to be when he first started off in movies. Right. I'll let you wrap up the episode before we ramble on about other yeah. challenge titles. <laughs> well, but they do they do have a parallel career because they both started out as slapsticky comedians that had to break the mold. They had to break yeah. out of their their the the uh, uh, typecast of the slapsticky goofy comedian yeah. to find to find their own heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and Robin did that very well in many films. Oh yeah, and I I think I think that's one of the things that I mean and and it's one of the things that probably I I would imagine that it's like that's one of the exciting things that Peter Weir probably saw in Jim Carrey when they worked on the Truman show because of the fact that he does have that uh that similarity and that similar uh trajectory that Robin Williams had. And he worked with Robin Williams at a moment where uh, Robin Williams was starting to establish himself uh, more beyond just being a uh, comedic force to be reckoned with. The guy who talks out of his butt. Yeah. And (laughs) so, I mean, yeah, it it makes sense that both of them uh, would work with Weir. And, And the thing is, it's like for all of the for everything I said today about the Truman show being sort of artificial, I I think there is a genuine sincerity to it. And it comes from Jim Carrey. It comes from Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank because of the fact that that's, that's one of the reasons why, even though I kind of criticize the movie a lot on this episode, I ultimately love it because I love following Truman on this journey of self-discovery yes. that he has. And okay. that's because of Jim Carrey. Yes. Um, and if, honestly, like, uh, I don't want to keep stretching the show, but if you could pick something, like, I don't know how well you know comedians or any and actors, if you could pick anybody for Peter Weir to work with next, like, if he were to make another film, I know he's like 70, 74, 75. Yeah. And he hasn't worked as much in recent years that uh, they used to. I, yeah. The last movie I saw of his was like 2010. I can't remember what the actual yeah. last movie he did was. It was the you're right. It was the way back in 2010. Yeah. yeah, I'm. You know, and the funny thing is, it's like we're. That's it's a weird. It's kind of an interesting question. It's like I don't. I can't really think of somebody who's hot now that I think would really be an interesting sort of collaborator in the same way Robin Williams or uh, Jim Carrey is. We, you know, you and I were going back and forth on uh, Facebook earlier today about uh, Adam, Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love. And it's like, I think, I, I think if he had hit with Sandler around that time, I think it would have been a more interesting I don't know I don't know how modern day M. Sandler and Peter Weir would fit. It would really depend on the material. But as far as like actual as far as like comedians working now, I I don't really know. I have I have a I have my pick. Okay. And I would like to see him directed by Peter Weir playing a sympathetic villain type. 
and that would be Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory. Mm. Dr. Shelton Cooper. Yeah. Imagine yeah. him as a sympathetic villain. I think he would be, I think he would knock it out of the park, and I think Peter Weir would be an you know amazing director to do that. And I'm sure there's a hundred other guys that would direct it too, but oh, yeah. it, it, the feel of, of Peter Weir's films, I think, would be the right tone for yeah. for a character like to, to thrive. So that's just my that's just my pick for for that. And I think it'd be kind of great to see Jim Parsons in a different role. Yeah, that oh, I mean, and that's that's definitely an interesting uh, it's definitely an interesting pick. It's like I wasn't even I would I was thinking people more known for film than uh, TV, but yeah, TV? I mean, it would it would be that would be that would be an interesting. Uh, I I think Jim Parsons with any heavy hitter director sort of gang away from uh, Sheldon Cooper would definitely be interesting to watch, regardless of what the project is. Right. I, I, I think, I think seeing him in, and I mean, I, I can sort of see, you know, yeah, that would be, that would be, uh, that would be kind of interesting to see. Well, Marv, thank you very much. It's either going to be amazing today. or it's going to be, Oh, anytime, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, what were you going to say right away? Right. right. As I say, it's either going to be amazing or a car crash. Yeah. I mean, the, I, there's, I, no, there's not going to be in the. Yeah. I mean, gym. I, I can't imagine it would necessarily be a car crash. I think he's I think he's too talented for that. But he's competent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it that would that, that's definitely something to think about. But yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining me tonight. Thanks, thanks for having me, Brian, and I still love you. <laughs> I'd like to thank Marv Dickey for joining me tonight to discuss the Truman Show. Uh, we're going to have another uh, conversation later in the year talking about the uh, talking about Days and Confused as it turns 25 this year, uh, the Richard Linklater film. Uh, for now, thank you very much for joining me at the Sonic Cinema Podcast. I've got more filmmaker interviews coming up. I've got Chris Esper returning where we're going to discuss one of the great filmmakers of the French New Wave. I've got um, more film breakdowns coming up, and I've got some really special ideas for what we're going to do in uh, 1999 for the podcast. Uh, if you can, contribute to the Sonic Cinema Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. There's a lot of good stuff for there for you there and for now this is brian scuttle thank you for joining me at sonic cinema podcast <laughs>